I think it's a story that is relevant, important, and endlessly fascinating. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode as I have Antonia Senior join me to talk about her new podcast, Spy Masters, with the first episode out tomorrow. Antonia is a journalist currently writing a book on the Cambridge spy ring, the British spies at the heart of the establishment, who are actually moles working for the Soviets. Antonia talks about that and her new guests coming up on the pod. Plenty more great history coming up, including Napoleon Bonaparte, the Mau Mau uprising in Kenya the war in Ukraine, and much, much more. So please do share, rate, and review. But until then, here's me chatting with Antonia on her new podcast, Spy Masters. Antonia Senior, welcome. The new host of the new podcast, Spy Masters. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me, Ollie. Well, so listeners, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times in previous episodes and Antonia is setting up a new podcast that's coming from the aspects of history, Death Star or monolith that we are, the media giant. And Antonia is running this new podcast. It's as it sounds, as it is named, it is all about spies and espionage. So I wanted to get Antonia on to introduce her to all the nice listeners so that they'll have an idea of what's coming up and then they'll hopefully want to have a listen. So Antonia, I thought it would be good to kick off by asking you, what is Spymasters? Well, it's a podcast about espionage simply. I just want to extend your analogy and if aspects of history is the Death Star, then surely I'm the Princess Leia now of... um, of aspects podcasting i'll take that so we're on the podcast interviewing all the best writers about spies so we're doing facts and fiction history and contemporary and i'll be talking to anybody and everybody who writes on the topics of espionage covert action the soe anything where people get down and dirty and undercover and we've got some fantastic guests lined up some of the recordings already done and it's going to be very exciting i think Great. And Antonia, you might sound familiar to listeners because you've appeared twice on our Books of the Year with the Gang episodes where you, Roger, and Richard Foreman talk about the Books of the Year. I think most recently you were the sweary one, actually. So will this all be X-rated? Children? No, I'm trying really... I am trying really, really hard not to sweat too much. it's, It's a terrible affliction, I know. I've done quite a lot of, in my lifetime as a journalist, I've done some live telly and live radio and always in my head because I'm a very sweary person I'm telling myself not to fucking sweat sorry not to swear <laughs> and I don't always get it right but no this this obviously is a very grown-up serious podcast so I've been very lucky to do the book reviews with you guys one of my day jobs I think I have what, what is known in modern parlance as a portfolio career in one of my day jobs I review historical fiction for the times so I'm kind of all over that as a genre and then very excitingly kind of broadening out with this to kind of encompass some more interesting, not more interesting, <laughs> God forbid, some different genres of fiction, which is fantastic, as well as the nonfiction. Well, you're an author and journalist, you've just mentioned. So you've been a journalist for how long and who have you worked for? 
I've been a journalist since I left university, which was actually, it was at university I first got interested in spying, incidentally, because I did an intelligence history course under the king of intelligence history, Christopher Andrew. He wrote the history of MI5, didn't he? Yeah, he, I mean, he's done everything. He he unearthed the Mitrovkin files. You know, he's the absolute king of this subject. And I did his course. I, I mainly did it, actually, because there was a rumour going around that you got the tap on the shoulder if you did his course. And I quite fancied that as a career. So that was my first choice as career. Sadly, the tap never came. This being Cambridge, of course, the tap could have come from either side, but neither of them tapped me up. So I ended up going into journalism. My first job was on a magazine called Pensions World, where I wrote well, about pensions. We, I think we need to do a deep dive on this aspect of your career. The listeners yeah, well, are crying out for this. I was like 22 without a pension, writing very in-depth, serious articles about pension schemes. And then I went I, I went from Pensions World to The Times, where I again wrote about pension schemes for a very long time, which was actually really good fun because it was, you know, the period when all the pension schemes were collapsing, which is all great fun to write about. And then I did various jobs. I was on The Times on staff for about 14 years, I guess it was altogether. And I did all sorts of jobs. I was a leader writer. I was editor of the science magazine for a while. So um, a leader writer, does that mean you're writing the uh, editorials? Yeah, basically. So the Times is view of the day. And obviously wow. it was great fun. But again, you know, you have to be sort of pretty. I remember having to write one leader. I was like 29 or something and writing a, an editorial for the Times in which we basically had to call for like some senior government minister to resign. I remember thinking, how am I going to write this? And so I just had to ventriloquize being incredibly pompous because otherwise there was no other way to do that. But I enjoyed that. That was a great job. And I was acting business editor for a while during the beginnings of the financial crisis. That was fun. So yeah, I absolutely loved it. But then I left full-time journalism to have lots of children and I started writing novels so I then wrote three novels and did some freelance journalism and now I'm moving to non-fiction and um still doing some journalism and still I'm now doing this exciting shiny new podcast so this is a new thing well the subject of your new book and you've alluded to it with your undergrad at Cambridge. So this is about the Cambridge spiring, isn't it? It is about the Cambridge spiring. Yeah, it was about the Cambridge spiring. It's so exciting. So it, the book's coming out in 2025. The genesis of the book was I was, I've always been kind of, you know, interested in them and I've read a lot about them, but I started sort of thinking about who the actual victims of their treachery were. And then when I went to the books, I just found that everything was kind of very concerned with the ramifications on the British class system and their place in the British class system and what it meant for Britain. And I thought, well, that's, you know, interesting, but it doesn't actually tell me anything about what Stalin wanted from the Cambridge Five. And it kind of tallied with some other interests of mine around the Sovietization of Eastern Europe in 1939 to 1941, and then post-war. And the more I looked, the more astonished I was that there was a whole story there that hadn't really been told in any pacey, popular and yet deep dive way about the Cambridge Five's role in helping Stalin create his empire. And I also thought it was really fascinating because it brings you into issues of ideology whereby for a few of the spies, one of the single most important things to them is their anti-imperialism. And yet the entire tenor of what they're helping him achieve or what they're helping Stalin achieve is an empire by any other name. So I found all of that very fascinating. And I'm halfway through, I'm 
deep diving into some fascinating stuff. I've met some amazing people. I'm going to interesting places and I'm absolutely loving it. The move to nonfiction has been absolutely glorious for me. Well, I mean, you know, obviously the proof is in the pudding. We'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and read the book, but I think it's going pretty well. And so when you were at Cambridge and you were mm. studying under Christopher Andrew, was there a, a kind of awareness or a, was there a sort of undercurrent of knowledge that it was where these five Philby, McLean, Burgess, Blunt and Cairncross all met at Cambridge? Was there an awareness that, OK, Cambridge was, you know, pillar of the establishment university that resulted in a catastrophic intelligence failure at the heart of that very establishment. I think I was very aware of it and really intrigued by the story. I think the other reason I've come back to that story, though, is that I was slightly misled by the kind of popular culture image of them when I was young, which was all fed through that wonderful film, Another Country, about the young Burgess. And, you know, he was beautiful and glamorous and misunderstood and an outsider. And that kind of romanticised picture of them was certainly present in my mind at university. And I think, again, like a lot of people, I was much more drawn to left-wing politics when I was at university than I am now. (laughs) So I kind of understood both the allure and the glamour that was associated with them. And now I just look at them and just think everything they did, so much of what they did was so shabby and so often they absolutely and completely knew that the implication of their treachery was utter misery, if not death, for vast swathes of people. So that mm. glamorous sense of, you know, the young Burgess in cricket whites licking honey off his boyfriends and dreaming of Russia, I just find very irritating now. So the thrust of your book, really, because mm. I don't think we've had a... I'm just trying to think of a a non-fiction book that's so explicitly looked at the spiring as a whole. I mean, you you oh, probably know a lot better than I. No, but... there, I mean, there have been, but just not for a while. So for the last few have all been individual biographies, absolutely great individual biographies. So, you know, from... Um, Andrew Lowney did one on, on Burgess. Yeah, Andrew La- Lowney's Burgess. There's a brilliant one on Donald McLean by Roland Phillips. And then obviously Ben McIntyre's rightly famous book about Tim Philby. Nobody's really done blunt for a really long time, not since Miranda Carter's book came out. And I think that's over 20 years ago now. And on the five of them together, not much. And there's been so much released since then. Not so much. There's not been a huge amount released from the KGB side, but there's been a lot released from this side since the last time all five of them were looked at. I mean, there is so much material that in one sense, the hardest thing is what to leave out because each of these five can and has inspired fantastic very detailed biographies individually so to turn that into a narrative that encapsulates the essence of what each of the five of them did taking in all the new material and also kind of creating a kind of narrative that isn't you know bogged down by detail and exposition that that's the challenge and I'm also going you know I'm I'm really interested in the impact of what these guys were up to in um Eastern Europe so I've got lots of information from the Lithuanian KGB archives and from I've got a researcher in the Albanian archives which are which are really newly opened and there's a famous betrayal in Albania isn't there yeah Philby in Albania we know about it but I just thought you know what we know about it from the British perspective we know about 
it from our perspective I want to know more about the Albanian side and actually since any of the books have been written about that the CIA have released loads of information about the Albanian operations that were betrayed by Philby I mean you know all these things are very complicated and actually you know it's it's very one-dimensional to say it was all Philby's fault that these operations failed but he was certainly involved and it's you know there's so much fascinating material so even though the five are quite well told, there's going to be plenty in my book that's new, even to those people who think they know the story very well. And as a story, bringing it back to a new audience, I think is also important because lots of people have actually forgotten about it. You know, I, I, I sometimes I tell people, you know, even people you expect to know. I'll say, oh, I'm doing a book on the Cambridge Five and they kind of look puzzled. And I, you know, I find that deeply shocking. It does tend to mean I'm not, I can't be friends with them. But, you know, people don't always know. And I think we can't let stories like this be forgotten. And I think it's particularly resonant at the moment at a time where public discourse is very tribal and very oppositional and very ideologically driven to remember a similar time when things were oppositional and tribal and ideologically driven and remember that actually that tribalism and those ideological convictions can lead people to do very very wicked things I think it's a story that is relevant important and endlessly fascinating and I feel very privileged to be writing it to be honest yeah so it's interesting you talking about the Albanian perspective because I'm sure some listeners might not be aware. I mean, if you were caught in a operation behind the Iron Curtain, it wasn't a rap on the knuckles or even just a short-term jail sentence. It was very often death. It know. was. And actually, a lot of the Albanian expats who were being sent over into Albania by the British and the Americans were actually quite reluctant. <laughs> they were, Some of them were semi-coerced into going. And it was incredibly dangerous and the consequences were incredibly high, not just for you, but potentially for your family. And, you know, the Sigurimi archives, the archives of the Albanian secret police are relatively newly opened. And it was quite difficult getting into them because the problem with, as a lot of people know, with the archives of former totalitarian countries is that there's quite often people in there who you don't expect to be in there. There's secrets in there that you don't want to know, you know evidence that someone in your family was not who you thought they were etc there's a lot of stuff in there so they're quite careful about letting you in at all I had to go through a lengthy process of application to get in I might not get anything particularly new I'm finding out quite soon I'm going to meet my researcher and he's helping me because obviously it's all in Albanian are you going over to Tirana I will be yeah yeah and I'm going to the Baltic states as well um so there's quite a lot of fun stuff some travel I you know it's great fun yeah, I mean, that's very interesting because I don't know if you know this, but I do have some listeners in Albania. Do you? Hello, Albanian listeners. Yes. So hopefully you can kick off with at least a few. Brilliant. I'm in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. And I want to go out. There's a particular peninsula in Albania where a lot of the landings happened that's currently a marine reserve. So I want to try and get to that, but I'm not quite sure when at the moment I'm looking forward to visiting Albania. That will be very exciting. Yeah. And so uh, for the podcast, then you got interviews, any thoughts on- Oh, the like... podcast is so exciting. So my first guest is going to be David McCloskey. So David McCloskey 
is the hottest property in spy fiction right now. He's best-selling, he's smashing the charts. So his first book was Damascus Station, which was hailed as being kind of incredibly realistic portrayal of CIA ops, while at the same time being a you know propulsive story. And it was absolutely those things. And the reason it's so realistic is that David McCloskey is a former CIA analyst. And we've had a fantastic conversation and he's told me all sorts of things that I feel like he shouldn't be allowed to tell me but uh, about the CIA. And he's quite interested, apparent because if you're if you've worked for the CIA before you can publish a spy novel, because you've signed the American equivalent of the Official Secrets Act, you have to get the CIA's approval. So he had to have the, the you know the book read by the CIA boards, and he said even he was surprised by how much they let him sort of reveal about ops. I think because some of these ops are a couple of years old. Anyway, we're talking about his new book, Moscow X, which I think is even better, which is this kind of covert op run against Putin by this slightly exciting convoluted plot involving uh, making it look like some of his oligarchs are plotting against him by stealing loads of Bitcoin off them and stuff. And it's so much fun. It's so great. And the heroine is a woman called Artemis Aphrodite Proctor, who David and I in the podcast speculate, you know, we would like to see in a room with Mick Heron's Jackson Lamb. She's absolutely something else. She's a source of ballsy maverick, but in the best tradition of ballsy mavericks. I would highly recommend the book, which is just out. And my chat with David is completely fascinating. He's only the first. We've got brilliant stuff lined up. So I've got Helen Fry, who I know you've had on your podcast. She's absolutely brilliant. We're talking about Edith Cavell the nurse turned spy in World War One. I've talked to SJ Paris, the best-selling historical fiction author, who is absolutely fascinating on the subject of Elizabethan super spy, Giordano Bruno, who was an absolutely amazingly interesting philosoph- philosopher, alchemist, heretic, and she posits spy, and she's written a series of novels about him, the latest of which is out now. So we've had a brilliant chat about that. And, oh, I've got another brilliant one coming up, which is Roger Morehouse, another former guest on your show, talking about the intelligence operations in and around the Holocaust. So what we knew about the Holocaust when, via the Polish resistance, who were the main method of getting information about the Holocaust out to the world. And that is also brilliant. And very excitingly, in a week or so, I'm talking to General David Petraeus about his take on developments in military intelligence based on his brilliant new book in association with Andrew Roberts called Conflict, which I think was the Aspects of History Book of the Year when we it did was, our book It of the was, it was. Actually, we, we did interview, oh, I say we, I did interview both Petraeus and Roberts because he was director of the CIA. He was. He was director of the CIA. Ooh. You should, you know, should right? mention a few things you learned from McCluskey to, to Petraeus and see what he thinks about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have to listen to the podcast. Um, listeners listeners will be, it's actually out tomorrow. We're at, tomorrow? Tomorrow, the 1st of February. That's the first the first episode of the Spy Masters. And so this is a trail for that. Well, it's very exciting. And I just, I would say that if any of your Aspects of History listeners, because this is a, you know, new and shiny podcast, if you have any thoughts, ideas, people you want me to interview, you can just contact me through our Twitter feed, which is at Spymasters Pod. 
on um I, I think we have to call it x now don't we but on x which sounds more spyish anyway and the other way you can contact me is by email which will be spymasters at aspectsofhistory.com and we'd love to get your opinions on the first couple of episodes we'd love to get your thoughts any questions you've got and any ideas for future shows because this is you know the idea is that we kind of have a community of people who are as passionate as I am about intelligence history and spy fiction. Wonderful stuff. Okay, Antonia, thank you very much for your time. Listeners, I command you to listen to Spy Masters tomorrow. And uh, thanks, Antonia. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks so much for listening. Links are in the show notes. Lots of great content coming up. But until then, thank you and good night. <laughs>